Well, amen. I trust that you've had a wonderful time of worship this morning as the other services have. Just a couple of things. I want you to uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you will, to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be looking at, the, at that this morning. Let me just say a couple of things. Um, <clears throat> just kind of a bit of good news here. Uh, as you know, we've uh, kind of cut down some of the budget items a little bit, and one of the things that we did was uh, really cut out the winning edge in the whole TV ministry. Uh, we've been dealing with uh, TV 45, uh, the Good Life Channel, for about 15 years. It's been a wonderful working relationship. We love those people there, and uh, it's nothing on them that we were going to uh, uh, cancel the program, but it was just that we feel like in these economic times, uh, maybe it wasn't the best use of what we could do uh, for the cost involved. And so, um, but what they've done, they, Steve Steiger called me up as president, CEO of, the, of TV 45, and you know, he, you know, it was a good idea. We're good friends. I mean, I, I bought him breakfast twice, and so, well, what can I say? Uh, but anyway, he's, you know, 15 years of the Winning Edge. The Winning Edge is really a 30-minute program that we have on Sunday night and Tuesday night, and we've been on for 15 years. We started a live broadcast a couple of years ago that is actually this service, 11.30 to 12.30 uh, every day. So it's, it's delayed just a few minutes um, uh, for us uh, sometimes. But anyway, it's an 11 o'clock service that uh, is aired, um, starting about the time that, um, you know, uh, right after the welcome, about the time y'all get here, you know. So um, anyway, um, they, what they want to do is that even though we're going to be canceling the Winning Edge program, the nighttime program, they still want to uh, uh, broadcast our live service every Sunday morning for the next six, seven months absolutely free. Isn't that great? And so uh, they estimate about 15,000 people a week watch that, and so uh, praise the Lord for the ministry there, and as you're watching even now, we praise the Lord for you, and uh, forget about the 11:30 thing that I just said. Okay, I wasn't supposed to say that. So um, anyway, and then the other thing is that we are uh, finally kind of finishing out our building here. We had one room left that we have not done anything to really since the uh, opening. We didn't finish it. There's the bookstore, and we plan to do something that with that last fall, but something something kind of came up, but we didn't get to it. And so we could have canned it. We could have just canceled it out. But I asked my wife to sort of take charge of that, and what we did was we had some money left in the Winning Edge account, undesignated funds that we can use toward that, and it is um, um, a little bit of a revenue-making thing, not much, but you sell coffee and you sell books, gives us a place to go, and uh, when we lead somebody to Christ, say, go get a, get a Bible here instead of running all the way down a Highway 50 to get one, uh, or Waterford, and so uh, it gives us a way to minister to you and gives us a, a coffee shop as well where you can sort of hang out a little bit uh, in between services or even on Wednesday night when you're uh, in between classes. And um, hopefully, and, and you know, really it's going to happen. We're going to have a little bit of profit there, and uh, we'll use it at first to kind of improve things in the bookstore, and then after that toward missions. But let me just say this, that very little money has gone into this thing. We've used some of the things around here. Uh, Pam has done a wonderful job, but she's had volunteer help from many of you here. And we're going to be looking at that a little bit more when we, we open it up in June 26th. But in the meantime, I just wanted to let you know that it's coming. And, uh, you know, there's amazing what you can do with just a little bit of money and a lot of volunteer help. Uh, a lot of people have volunteered that, I mean, they know more, as much or more, than what we could have uh, done in hiring someone. And it's great when the, the family of God comes together 
on a project like this is going to really benefit so many people. And so with that, those two good news items, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, because I want to talk today about just giving up. That's basically what I want to talk about. I want to talk about endurance. We've been in a series of messages on overcoming spiritual vertigo, which is the title of my book. And I've been trying to uh, share with you some things that are kind of in the book, but some things that I've learned even since I wrote it. And so, but on the same subject matter. Now, there's a story, <clears throat> true story actually, but about um, a, a, a pastor that is now dead. He's gone on to be with the Lord. He'd been in his, I guess, his 90s or something like that today. But he tells a story in one of his books about uh, being raised on a farm in Iowa. And of course, um, Oftentimes when you're living on the plains like that out in the Midwest, there's droughts, there's tornadoes, there's just different things that take place that really hinder your farming. But his dad, mom, great Christians, loved Jesus with all their heart. Um, they had a sign up over their, their uh, kitchen table that said, keep looking to Jesus. And as a farmer, you need to keep doing that because sometimes things didn't always work out like you wanted them to. But on this particular occasion, even with the droughts kind of uh, dissipating a little bit, the rains beginning, beginning to come, uh, the farmers <coughs> in, the, in the general area were very uh, optimistic. His dad comes running through the door one day and said, get in the car, get in the car, get in the, well, actually the truck, get in the truck. So they all piled in the truck, and they all knew what was happening. A twister tornado was coming. And so they rode down the road to the place where they always went. They got down into the ditch, and they listened to the howl that just came over them. When everything was silent, they got back into the truck and through the debris on the road, they went back to their farm. As they came over the horizon, everything was flat. The house was gone. The barns were gone. gone. Many of the animals uh, gone or dead. And his dad just drove up to what would have been the house, what used to be the house. Got out of the car. Before he slammed the door, he said, y'all stay in the car. Boom. He walks out to the place begins to kick around a few boards, looking through the debris, holding his head. And finally, he looks down and picks up one board. And he stared at it for a long time. It seemed like to them an eternity as they were just silent in the car. He came back to the car with a changed disposition. He opens up the door, sits down, hands the, the, the piece of wood over to his mother, uh, this guy's mother that's telling the story, and said everything's going to be okay. What did the sign say? Keep looking. It was a broken sign, but he realized when he picked up that piece of wood that God was giving him a word of encouragement. Keep looking to Jesus. And so when you and I are going through spiritual vertigo, and we, we define that kind of with physical vertigo. I, I told you the story about me going through the physical vertigo uh, myself and how physical vertigo is really the brain not being able to process what the eyes are seeing. Well, spiritual vertigo then is doubt. It's, not your, it's your faith not being able to process what you see, hear, or experience. You know what the Bible says, but at the same time you think, hey, real life's not working out that way. I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to complain. I don't want to seem like I've lost my faith. But at the same time, there's a lot of doubt happening there. We, we had a message where we dealt with that a little bit. Then we talked last week about courageous faith and how you and I need to get over the fear of failure. But what about when you're when you're over your spiritual vertigo and you're courageously doing something great in your life and great for God, something just unforgettable, and the, and the trials just keep coming. Boom, you're knocked down again. Boom, you're knocked down again. Boom, you're knocked off your spiritual balance again. 
Well, God's writing a letter here to the church at Hebrews, and the writer is basically saying to the church at or these Hebrew, remember Hebrew Christians, Jewish Christians, they were under persecution. They're about ready to quit. Quit something. Some may be quitting church. Others wanting to go back to the Jewish faith and kind of mix the two together. And so they were, they were beginning to drift back. They are beginning to slip in their Christian experience. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the priest. Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than Abraham. He's better than the prophets. All the way through the book, looking at the blood of Jesus and how Jesus has washed us and cleansed us at the cross from all of our sin. Then he comes to the conclusion of, hey, you need to hang in there. You need to endure even in the midst of trial. Look with me in chapter 10 and uh, in verse 32 it says, remember the former days. And then it says in verse 35, therefore do not throw away your confidence. This word means courageous faith. Don't throw away your courageous faith, which is great a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that once you have done the will of God, you may receive that was promised. Verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Then we see this word endure once again. <clears throat> in verse, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 25, uh, where it says, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And so this word endure, what, what, what is this word? It's, a, it's really in a unique um, Greek construction. It has two words together, hypo and many. And it means hyper, hypo means hyper. And many means to stand or to stay. And what this word means in endurance is to hyperstand. That no matter what comes your way, <coughs> excuse me, um, third sermon, y'all give me a little grace here. Um, what it means is, is that I'm standing firm no matter what the storm. Whatever the storm is on the outside, it's not going, going to knock me down. Now, you and I both know it's easier said than done. So we're going to look at three points this morning as we introduce the life of Moses in Hebrews chapter 11. Why we need endurance, then very quickly why we lack it, and then thirdly, how do we find it? First of all, I want us to read, beginning in verse 23, it says, By faith when Moses was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. There are four things here that Moses endured. What did he endure? I mean, what kind of example did he give to us as we're right here at Cross Life uh, Church in the 21st century? Four things. First of all, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, verse 24. Now, if you remember the story, if you don't, I'll, I'll give you a little review. Moses was born at a time where the Israelites were under the slavery of Egypt. The Pharaoh was so scared, so afraid of the Israelites that he put them all into slavery. And he became so much more afraid of them that he decided to pass down a law, an edict, a law, that said all the, all, the all the male children born during that period of time that were born to the nation of Israel, Jewish people, would be killed at birth. Well, Moses' mother, Jochebed, did not want this to happen to him, so she just, as a step of faith, put him in a basket on the Nile River, hoping, of course, that the queen of, of, of Egypt would, would uh, see him, and when she did, she took him out of the basket and it was going to save his life. She, he would be raised in Egypt as an Egyptian, 
But hey, it was even better than that, better than what she had hoped for. Because what happened was this, this queen said, I can't nurse this baby on my own. Find a Hebrew woman for me that will nurse the baby. And of course, they came up with jockey bed. And there she began to nurse the baby and raise him as Jewish. But the queen was raising him as Egyptian. So he had two people, two different people. Suddenly he made a decision that would bring about a situation where he would have no people. She, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What happened? Well, he became of age and he made a choice. Can't be both. Wasn't like Joseph where you could be both. Had to be either Egyptian or Jewish because Jewish people were slaves. So he saw an Egyptian attack a Jewish guy and he defended the Jewish man by killing the Egyptian. And then he was told on and he got in all kinds of trouble. So first of all, he chose his people. Then secondly, he also endured something else in the very next verse, the very next thing that happened in verse 27, rather, he left Egypt. This is a bigger decision. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Second thing he did, once he killed the, the Egyptian, he was told, on, now, now look, Moses kind of was a prince of Egypt, and the man he killed was just a commoner. If Pharaoh would have come to him and said, look, I don't understand what went on here. You, you saw the Egyptian attack an Israelite, and you killed the Egyptian. What's that all about? He said, you know, I kind of lost my head on that one. You know, he smarted off to me, said some things, and so I killed him. And the Pharaoh would have said, okay, just don't do that again. You know, kind of watch that. And that, that would have been it. Now, he was a prince killing a commoner. But rather than do that, he fled Egypt. He just left him. Now, what did he do? He said he did not fear the wrath of the king. In other words, what he was doing was was a career-killing action. He made a decision based on the fact that he would still suffer. In fact, being a fugitive, he would be creating career suicide. Instead of being the prince of Egypt, he would go out into the wilderness and have nothing. Nothing. So he was choosing the people of God and choosing really God rather than to choose the passing pleasures of sin and everything that would go along with being the prince of Egypt. He was committing career suicide. Then thirdly, we find out he endured something else. He kept the Passover, verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood. Now, in this passage, that's a big story. And I'm not going to have time to go over all that story. But let me just say this. What happened to lead up to the story was that Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, you can imagine. Hey, he's in his 40s and he's a shepherd. In his 50s, he's a shepherd. Boy, things are really looking up for him. And then in his 60s or, or 70s, he's a shepherd. And he's thinking to himself, man, I've thrown away my life. I really did something for God. I took a stand for God, and now look what happened to me. I'm a nobody. I'm a has-been. I committed career suicide, and I thought God would raise up something else, and now I'm keeping sheep from my father-in-law. They don't even belong to me. And then God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. And he says, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to go in and relieve Pharaoh of all of his free labor. And, oh, huh, huh? What? You see, suddenly we read about Moses not being filled with confidence here. See, Moses back 40 years before thought he was ready to lead the nation of Israel, and he wasn't. Now, he was ready skill-wise. He was ready as far as all the leadership principles. Maybe he's read all the books or whatever in Egypt about leadership. He understood all that. Probably even a man of war, he understood that as well. He just wasn't broken. 
He wasn't humble. And so as far as being the broken, humble leader that God needed, he wasn't that. Forty years later, he was. Then finally, verse 29, fourth thing, by faith he passed through the Red Sea. Now get the picture of what was going on here. We'll come back to this. If you look at Egypt and going into the promised land, you would look at it and say, well, it's just a straight shot. Boom. Have you ever wondered why they went south and came up this way and came in the other direction of Jericho? You know, you begin to read, well, Jericho must be right next to Egypt. No, it's on the other side of Israel. And the Bible says that God took them around the southern route to avoid uh, what was happening right there as they would have entered into the promised land with all the armies not being afraid at that time of the nation of Israel, and they would have been discouraged and gone back to Egypt. So he took them down the Red Sea. Now you can imagine, there you are at the Red Sea. You, you've gone through ten plagues, all these miracles that happened in Egypt. All the Egyptians gave you all the money and all the valuables that you could possibly handle. You left Egypt as a rich nation, and now you come to the end of it, and you say, well, God, you just led us to a dead end. You ever felt that way? God, you just, you just led us to a dead end. I mean, here I am. Where do I go from here? You know, I've prayed, I've done this, I've done that, I've tried to do everything right, and now I'm at a dead end. And Moses could have turned around and said, sorry, folks, you know, I did the best I could. What, what can I say? But instead, he pointed his staff and he said, let's go forward. And the parting of the Red Sea took place. So what did he endure? He endured plenty. What do we endure? What happens to us? Why is it so important? Again, in verse 20, uh, or verse, chapter 10, verse 39, it says this, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction. Great word here. Do you remember the story of Mary where she came in before the, the death of Jesus and she broke the vase and the perfume came out and she anointed the feet of Jesus and she washed his feet. Judas made the, the, uh, uh, the statement. He says, she's wasted that. Same Greek word. She's destructive. She's brought this perfume under destruction. And in Hebrews 10.39, it says basically this. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back to wasting our lives. The first thing you need to know, what does it, what does it destroy? What does it waste? It wastes our faith because our faith is damaged when we quit. When we don't endure, we don't receive what we think God needs to give us and the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 36, you do the will of God first, then you endure, then you receive the promise. And we never get there. We pray and we work and we do this and do that and we get the little things along the way, but the big things that we, oh, we just, we just want it so badly. We never get it. And therefore, our faith is never stretched and we never can believe God for the next step. I remember a friend of mine at the University of Georgia. In fact, we went to high school together and that's why we'd meet up sometimes. Uh, we'd just be there before class, go our separate ways, separate classes, different majors, but we're sort of in this uh, little uh, uh, place, atrium, out in this building, the geography building. Uh, we would meet there and just kind of chit-chat a little bit, talk a little bit in between classes. And he told me one day, I'm going to drop this course. Oh, yeah, you can do that? I, mean, we're, I was a freshman, I didn't know. Yeah, if you're not doing well in a course a certain time, halfway through, you can drop it and not get a grade. Hmm, that's good to note, <laughs> you know, I thought. And uh, he said, I'm just going to drop it. And then the next semester, we were meeting in there. He said, I'm not going to be coming here anymore. I'm going to drop this course. Again, wow. You know, but he already had, always had a reason. Pretty soon, he dropped out of school. 
because he, he had a job. He wanted to get married. He got this full-time job that was really paying well for him back in that day. Didn't have any future to it, but it paid well right then. Smart guy. But again, quitting to do something else. But he always had a, a good reason, so I never thought anything about it until he called me one day and he said, uh, Dwayne, I'm, I'm uh, looking for a new church. He'd been called to the ministry and a little bit later, and uh, he was kind of on his second or third church. He said, I'm looking for a new church and a new place to go, and I just feel like God's finished with me here yet. And he began to go in about the deacons opposing him and all this kind of stuff. And I said, okay, well, uh, how about this one? And so I recommended him to a church. Another guy recommended him. He got the church. And then eight months later, he calls me back and he says, Dwayne, I'm, I'm just really not doing well here. Could you recommend another, me to another church? You see, quitting became a habit for him because early in life, he never came to the place of testing, allowing God to test his faith and enduring what he needed to endure. Well, not only that, but his sons are growth. Obviously, if I'm not putting God to the test, there's no friction there. I'm just running. I'm a, I'm a runner. I just run all the time. And according to James 1, 2, and 4, we need the, endure, the, the trials in our life to build endurance. Then it robs God of his glory. It just robs him. How does that, how does that happen? Well, suffering, by the way, and glory in the Bible, glory of God in the Bible, kind of runs together in so many different passages. Now, let me ask you a question, and I'll just, uh, I, I think this is good enough illustration to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about here. Two ladies in the church, and both of them have a disease. Both of them are praying for healing. And they have other things going on in their life as well. And so, we bring both of them here to the front. We pray for both of them. One of them is miraculously healed. And I do believe in healing today. I've been healed myself, and I believe in that. So she's healed. The other one's not. Now, the church is thinking, wow, glory to God. This one's got healed. Boy, that helps my faith. Boy, what's wrong with this other lady? What, what happened there? You know, we don't know. But out in the world, they look at one lady comes into work and her place of work and says, wow, you wouldn't believe this. Boy, something great happened to me this weekend. I've been to the doctor. I have been healed. And the, they look at her like, okay, okay, <laughs> you know, that's, ooh, that's good. And, and we ever said she wasn't even sick. I bet she wasn't even sick. You know, that's what they say. I'd like to see the doctor's report on that one. But this other lady goes into work, the one that hasn't been healed, and people notice her day after day after day after day. And finally, people start making comments like, wow, if I was going through what she was going through, I would never even get out of bed in the morning, much less come to work. But look at her. I don't understand. She's going through what I'm going through and more. But I've never seen anyone with the joy she has. And it's not a put on. It's really good. It's really the right stuff. What's different about her life? Which brings more glory to God? The healing or the one still in adversity, enduring into the end? We see it robs God of glory. And finally, another thing it does, and it's not an exhaustive list. It keeps us from receiving God's best. Verse 36 says you, you don't get it. You first do the will of God, then you endure, then you get what was promised. There, you, there we are. No answer to prayer, so we, we don't persevere. We've been praying for my, oh, I've been praying for my sister for all these years so that she would get saved, but boy, the more I pray, the further she gets away from God, and, and so you, you just don't pray as much, if at all. Another situation over here. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm, boy, I just don't get it. So we, we just sort of lose the enthusiasm for it all, and we quit. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and say, <clears throat> Pastor, I tell you, I, I'm, I'm encouraged, but I'm discouraged. 
because I know that I haven't been following the Lord. In fact, I've been a runner, and I've quit, and I've given up on God, and I'm just coming to church just because it's kind of the thing to do. I don't want anybody to know I've given up. What about me? I mean, half my life's over. Let me remind you of what happened in a Rose Bowl game back in the 1930s. Georgia Tech was playing in the game, and one of the Georgia Tech defensive players began to hit, hit a running back and then began to wrestle the ball away from him. The ball popped out, landed on the ground. With all the commotion, the defensive player picked up the ball and ran 70 yards for what he thought was a touchdown. The problem is, through all the confusion, as he was going back and forth wrestling for the ball, the ball was getting kicked out on the, on the turf. He lost his, his balance. He lost his thought process. He became confused. He ran toward the wrong goal. So everybody was yelling, no, 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 no. And the opposing team was going, go, 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 go. And nobody was chasing him. And he kept looking back, looking back, and finally got in the end zone, confused, and just tossed the ball. Now, if he just held on to the ball, it would have been two points, a safety. But he just kind of flipped the ball. The other team recovered it for what? A touchdown. And they were losing it at half. The team came, came in at halftime. The coach was trying to give them a pep talk. The young man was just sobbing over in a corner. Everybody else goes out on the field. He comes over to the young man. And he says, Coach, I just can't go out there. I'm so, I've embarrassed myself. I'm embarrassed the team. I just can't go out there. They're laughing at me. And, and the coach said, Son, what you did was a mistake. Anybody could have done it. It was a mistake. But the game is only half over. And I say to you, the game's only half over. God has a lot more to do in your life. You say, well, no, in my life, it's 90% over. God can do more in your life in the next 10% of your life than you've been able to do in the previous 90%. And so we look at this and you say, well, why, why can't we do it? Why can't we endure? Why do we get to that feeling, I just want to give up, I want to quit? Well, why do we lack endurance? Verse 26 of our chapter tells us, Considering the approach of Christ, greater riches than the tr treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to a reward. He had hope. He was looking toward a reward. What do we say about hope? We said that our choices and character development are greatly affected by what we believe our future holds. We talked about that during the resurrection of Christ and all about that Easter series. Our hope. He says, I was looking toward the future. I was looking toward a reward. I knew God had it for me. Somehow, some way, I was hanging in there. Because I believe there was hope. We quit because we lose our hope. We lose our faith. And we quit just a little bit at a time until we quit in a big way. What do we do? What did Moses do to not quit? I want us to see real quickly three things in this passage. And they're all verbs. And it starts off in verse 25, choosing. Then verse 26, considering. Verse 27, seeing. Three things that we need to do. Let me take them in this order. First of all, you need to consider. He says he considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking toward a reward. This word consider is an evaluation word. It's where in Philippians 3.8, Paul says, I count myself all things but loss, the excellency of Christ. It's a counting term. He's considering, he's evaluating, and he says, faithfulness to God is more important than all the treasures of Egypt. T hey, tough call. What would we do? What faithfulness to God is worth more than the job I have, the career I'm trying to plan, 
the money that I have, uh, the, the, the house, the possessions that I have. Moses realized this. Listen to me very carefully. Moses realized that the only, that you are only as durable as the thing you love most. Psalm 73, 2, we said a few weeks ago, but it's for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. All of us put our foot on a rock somewhere. Which rock is it on? The only thing, Thomas Oden, um, one pastor brings out this illustration. Thomas Oden of Drew University uh, wrote a book, and he, he talked about it. He said, every person has goals. All of us have goals of some sort of another. You can't live without that, he says. And all goals, this is a good word here, compete. In other words, there's one goal that gives value and a calculation to worth of all the other goals in your life. And he said this, and I don't quote this, it's just kind of a paraphrase. If you have a finite center of value, then you're always anxious. Anything but God on the throne, and we can be shaken to the core. Now think about that. What's wrong? We need to consider. We need to consider who is on the throne. And any, anything, anyone, anything that is on the throne of our life that is finite, temporary, whether it's possessions, whether it's people, whether it's your self-esteem, anything that's finite, we can be shaken with one phone call, one conversation, one thing happening to our economy, one thing. We can be shaken to the core. So what do we do with that? that what, what, what do we do when our God, our throne, that which is on our throne, that which we're placing our, our foot upon, what happens when it gets attacked? When it, what happens when it gets removed? What happens when we're shaken to the core? I can tell you what I do. You get busy. You just do something. You take your mind off of it, right? You try to get through it in some way and try to look at a positive thing on the other side. But Moses knew that, okay, Egypt's great. I mean, passing pleasure, sin is pleasurable for a season. He could have had anything, anything and everything. But he says, all that, boy, if I put that on the throne of my life, some other, some other empire can come along and take it away. Somebody could kill me and take it all the way. I can be shaken to the core. But if God is on my life, is on the throne of my life, then that which is infinite. So if that which is infinite is on, my th on the throne, then my values and my goals, therefore, are infinite goals and values. And I cannot be shaken. He chose, or rather he considered. And then because of that, he chose. It says <clears throat> in verse 25, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God, to suffer. He suffered. Now, this is something that uh, is different for many of us. Because, again, the glory of God and suffering in the Bible are very closely knit together. So we obey God even when there's doubt, even when there's fear, even when we think there might be suffering. Because Moses knew something. He says he's looking toward a great reward. And here's something to think about. Why did they go south? Cross the Red Sea. Miraculous thing. Well, we'll never forget that, will we? And then 
crossing the Red Sea, they came up and they went inside to Jericho. If they'd have come through this way, they would have been defeated. You see, he obeyed God, and it looked like he was obeying God and running right into a disaster. But the miracle was there. But he also avoided a disaster that he could not see. You see, you and I think we know all the truth, but we don't. We don't know the whole truth of any situation. Only God knows the whole truth. And in eternity, we're going to find that the decisions we made in order to follow Jesus Christ, and we made those decisions, and we had cutbacks or, or some kind of suffering through those decisions. We had conflict with someone through those decisions. It avoided a greater disaster. We can all see that in our lives when you've decided for Jesus. He chose no matter what. Then he says he was seen. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. But seeing him, he was unseen. How did he seem? He just kept looking. How did this pastor's dad keep looking to Jesus? How did Moses keep looking to the Lord? He did that, verse 32 of chapter 10, but remember the former days. There's a history here. There's a history that says, God has done something for me. Remember, faith is in transit. It's between two things, the no longer and the not yet. And Moses was able to look into the past and see what God had done for Israel and say, God, if you can do that, then you can do whatever. Then you are worth trusting with my whole life. I'm just going to keep on looking to you. And what has Christ done for us? Hey, look in verse 2 of chapter 12. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. He went to the cross for us. He died there on the cross for us so you and I can be forgiven of all of our sin, be rid of our guilt, and start a relationship with him. He didn't quit on you. He endured the cross despising the shame as he was hanging there on the cross. He despised it. So there you are. You're in a situation where you have to put God to the test, knowing that God causes all things to work together for the good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, to those who are following him. So don't quit before you receive the promise. He's saying to us in this passage, don't, don't quit before you receive the blessing. Don't quit before you receive that unanswered prayer. Don't quit before God does something through you that is unforgettable to this world. I love the words to the song that you will not find in your hymnal. <clears throat> it's called The Boxer by Simon Garfunkel. In the clearing stands a boxer and a fighter by his trade. And he carries a reminder of every glove that laid him down or cut him till he cried out in his anger and his shame. I am leaving. I, I'm leaving. I'm quitting. But the fighter still remains. You just can't. You cannot bring yourself to turn your back on the Lord. You cannot do it. And you're stuck between 
I'm leaving, I'm, but I can't leave. I'm leaving, I'm quitting. But you just, you can't, you can't bring your, you're a Christian. You're proving your Christianity by not leaving the Lord. But don't be stuck in between. That's not what the writer's telling us. That's not what Moses did. He chose that which is an invisible. He chose that which is eternal. He decided that when that which was infinite was on the throne of his life, his life could never be shattered. What about us today? What about us? Jesus went there to the cross and endured it for you. He didn't quit on you. Let's not quit on him. But let's go beyond, oh, I'm just not going to quit. The fighter just still remains. I'm going to fight with exuberance. I'm going to fight with a purpose. I'm going to fight with a future and a hope. With heads bowed and eyes closed, this morning, <clears throat> I know that there's those who need to re-up with God. And you say, God, I've been going through the doubt and the spiritual vertigo myself, but I don't want it to be that way. I want, I don't want to be a quitter, but also, God, I don't want to come to a place in my life where I'm just in between either. I want to endure putting you on the throne of my life. And if that's the prayer of your heart, but you've never received Christ, you don't know for sure that you're a believer, that you're really a follower of Christ, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me silently as I pray aloud. If you mean the prayer in your heart, Jesus will come to save you. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for enduring the cross, despising the shame. You died for me that I could never die, but live with you forever. And so I repent of my sins and everything that has hurt you. And I invite you into my heart, my life. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name. Would you look this way? This morning, if you prayed that prayer to invite Christ into your heart, I want to invite you to take this cross life card the welcome card and on the back of the card <clears throat> it says my decision today i have decided to surrender my life to christ and begin a personal relationship with him if you prayed that prayer with me that's what you did so i want you to put a little check right there in that box make sure your name and information is on the front so we can contact you and make sure you get some literature in your hand that you need in order to grow as a believer in christ we want to help you that said, some of you, and make sure, by the way, this gets placed in the offering plate, but some of you want help now. So why, why should I wait? Why should I just sit here and not courageously take a stand for Jesus? He saved me. He's coming to my heart. And uh, I'm going to come forward, and I'm going to tell one of these pastors all about it, have prayer with you, and we're going to give you some literature right now. <clears throat> if that's the prayer of your heart, we're going to have this invitation for you. Others who want to come to the altar and pray. This time is for you to re-up with God and say, God, <clears throat> don't want to just get by. Don't want to just endure. I want to excel. Let's stand together. Quietness of this moment, heads bowed, eyes closed. The band leads us right now. And this time, you come.
With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer <clears throat> right now. <coughs> and as I do this, I want to ask you a question, and that is, right now in your life, and other people, I mean, it's different times for different people. I know that. But right now in your life, you say, I need prayer, Pastor. Would you pray, lift me up in prayer? Now, I won't do it by name because there'll be many hands go up. But I've been through a devastating, um, I've had information that just knocked me off my, my spiritual balance here recently. And I, I, need to, I need to deal with it. I need to get through it. Would you pray for me? Would you lift up your hand if you feel that way? You've been, you've been knocked off, okay? Knocked off your spiritual balance all over the auditorium. Anybody else? rest of you are good. rest of you are good. All right? Father, I pray for these right now that have lifted up their hand. And God, I pray, Lord, for them. And Lord, I pray that you would meet them at the point of need. The good news is, God, they are wrestling and they are uh, enduring right now, which uh, shows real strong spiritual life within them. And yet, Lord, at the same time, uh, they need victory in their life, not just... Uh, not just getting by. And so, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would be on the throne of our life. I pray that you would draw people even now. I pray, God, that you would convict hearts, those who did not raise their hand. And, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our heart in such a way that it would just be uh, unbelievable how strongly we're feeling your presence in our life. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us to get committed to you in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So, we will rest on the infinite one rather than just finite things. And Lord, I pray for the offering right now. I pray, God, I pray that you would bless those who give. I pray, God, that you would help us to continue to meet the needs of the church and also of our mission to the world. Thank you, Lord, for those who have served so faithfully in the armed forces. And thank you, Lord, so much for those that, were, that gave their life for this country, for our freedom. And God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, and protect our soldiers all around the world, even now. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Be seated for just a moment. As the ushers come, uh, let me just, uh, I want to introduce to you Herb Long, who has an um, announcement for us. <laughs> 